Hello, my name is Jacob, and I am a Norse pagan, and welcome to episode 63 of the Folk Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about family and tradition, because all of us have just returned from some form of a family get-together around Thanksgiving, and so I, I always found this interesting. I did a live stream last year about Thanksgiving, because to me, it is one of the last American holidays that has any form of soul, at least as far as like family tradition. And even then it's been slowly overtaken by Black Friday. And, you know, some would say Christmas. Christmas is a good holiday at times still. I still like a, a good Christmas spirit, but I think it's mostly because Christmas is basically Yule. And then all the stuff that isn't Yule is commercial now. But regardless, I've always enjoyed that Thanksgiving really begs people to get together with their family, uh, which used to be what pagan holidays were about. So I really wanted us to have a conversation today with just the co-host talking about family traditions and the importance of them. So gentlemen, how was your Thanksgivings? I mean, mine, mine wasn't too bad. I just went to uh, my dad's side of the family primarily, um, where my younger brother and I acted as a couple of degenerates as as we do when the two of us are in the same room together but i mean it was it was relatively small and just kind of chilled out um you know it's for us like my family hasn't really done anything really big since i feel like i was a little kid which is fine i mean grandparents are getting older like a lot of people kind of moved around other people you know in the family are having like kids like cousins and stuff like that so right now it's like a weird turning point um I feel like for my family where the more the things that I'm used to having or doing are kind of slowly changing into like the next generation's like things. So like, we're kind of like paving the, uh, you know, a new way of, of traditions and things like that. I feel like at this point. So for mine, we just went over to my, um, <clears throat> to my grandparents and it was all, it was all good. It was mostly just my, uh, my mom's uh, immediate family, like her, my grandparents, her mom and dad, my uncle, and then my my sisters uh, were there, and then my wife and my daughter. Um, but uh, we haven't done we haven't done our normal like family tradition in a few years because our our big thing has always been that the entire family comes together, like my entire mom's side of the family, um, and it's basically like a family reunion. And there's like forty or fifty of us inside of one building and it's hectic and crazy and you've got kids running every freaking where and it's just a good freaking time um and there's more i can talk on it but i know we're going to get into that anyways because we're talking traditions and stuff so i'll bring it back up so i did want to ask you know, well basically continue the conversation i made a pretty grand statement that you know thanksgiving is one of the the last bastions <laughs> of a, american culture and family tradition uh would you gentlemen agree with that uh that statement yeah, 100%. Like you kind of touched on it a little bit with like the, you know, with Christmas, it's more, it's become more of a, a you know, a go and buy things, sort of a, you know, ad mass advertisement and, and et cetera, compared to what it, you know, it definitely used to be, I feel like. And I feel like Thanksgiving is slowly getting consumed by that, but I feel like it's, it's still holding on, but like barely. I honestly think it's gotten a little better because maybe it's because I don't work in breakfast restaurants anymore, but I remember back in like 2013, back when I, I really started working in a, in breakfast restaurants, uh, we would get a lot of Black Friday shoppers, like, you know, because the doors would open at like 6 a.m. So a lot of people before they would go would come get breakfast or right after they got out because we open at like seven. And so they would come after they got the big deals. 
But now they've moved it because they were having so many people getting trampled and murdered at these uh, at these Black Friday deals that they have slowly moved it back till now. I think most Black Friday shopping begins like right after Thanksgiving, I think nowadays, like basically it's like 9 p.m. It happens. And so at first, you know, I thought that would be more of a problem because it would encourage people to leave their Thanksgiving dinners and go out and uh, and go enjoy the, the Black Friday craziness. But Black Friday has become like a week. You know, especially with all the the internet deals and whatnot, like, you know, I went to some place and like their Black Friday deals are the same a week before as they were on Black Friday. So I do feel like it's actually gotten a little better. And like where I'm where I'm at, there was was like November 2nd or something like I went to go get something for the house um, from Walmart and they already had police officers in there and everything like that because they had started doing Black Friday that early, like they had the special deals like the entire month and they weren't like as crazy or extravagant as they are on that, on the actual day. But yeah, throughout this entire month, Walmart over here in Tennessee has been doing themselves like every single week. Now I, I feel like also, you know, I guess kind of looking at it in a more like modern, you know, up to date, I would say like view, I feel like a lot of these holidays now are probably going to kind of revert a little bit back to, a more traditional like be you know actually being grateful for being around friends and family and stuff like that just given the current state of the world so i wonder if that might have something to do with it as well to some degree you know over the past you know two and a half years almost or whatever it is now i feel like that might have something to do. i don't usually get like trust me my facebook is so inactive but i went on the other the other day and i saw a post from like the university of kentucky and it was like the president saying, like, you need to go home and like tell everyone talk, have a hard talk about COVID-19 and all these things. I finally commented. I was like, you know what? No, we've done this for over a year now. I commented. I was like, what I want people to do is go home and tell their family that you love them. <laughs> you know, that's what we need to be talking about, because if we've learned anything this last year, it's that we need to love and and honor our families. Like, I feel like I've grown closer even to like my sister. I'm not close to my sister at all. You probably you both probably barely know that I have a sister because I never talk about her. Uh, but, you know, her and I bonded for the first time, like in our entire lives. Like we, we got together uh, a week or so ago. Um, not even for Thanksgiving. And we just had the most down to earth conversation we've ever we've ever had. <laughs> and I think it's because we legitimately were like, wow, the world kind of sucks right now. So family's pretty good. And it's become the sanctuary again. And that's what families used to be. And that's something that I, you know, I really want to encourage people to see their family as, even if they're not pagan. Um, and I think this is a big holdback for a lot of people getting into the faith for the first time. So they're like, well, my parents won't accept me, uh, you know, for my faith. But ultimately, you know, you don't they don't have to be pagan to love families as well. You know, I I don't want them to be pagan to necessarily, you know, enjoy the holidays. You know, they're my family. You know, yeah. Again, I think it's it is kind of interesting just to kind of see how like people have kind of bonded a little bit differently given like current state of things compared to like, you know, five or ten years ago, I would say. But yeah, I agree with the pagan thing. Like you don't have to necessarily bring that to the table like that. I mean, this has been like conversations that I've had with other people is kind of just that that state of mind of you are more than just like, you know, a Norse pagan or whatever form of like pagan that you, you know, practice that you follow and whatnot. And I think a lot of people tend to forget that, that it's not like all you're about. So you don't have to bring that to the table every time, you know, you go to a family gathering or something like that. I actually just told uh, a couple of people in my family that I am uh, a pagan the other day. And it was just because they 
they were curious about some of the things and I have, I've got no, um, I don't know. I don't have a problem with telling anybody that I am one other than my, my grandmother, because she already worries if I'm 15 minutes later getting to her house and I said, I'm going to be, she freaks out and calls me. And if I don't answer, she's damn near going to call the cops to try to find me somewhere on the side of a mountain. So that's not going to do anything to help her. It's just going to make her go to the grave. Really. <laughs> but they were really, uh, they were really happy that I'd found something to work for me. And I feel like a lot of family would be like, but it doesn't have to be like what you try to put onto them, like showing that, yes, I'm, I'm this and kind of being showboaty, I guess. That's a good way to put it. So the, uh, the way I've kind of come about it, because again, this is a conversation that many people want to have with me as far as like, how do I come out to my parents? And I honestly despise the idea of coming out to your family because it shouldn't be like that. You know, I don't want it to be like that. It's a religious belief almost has a selfish intent sometimes because you're, you really want validation, I think, is what people are looking for when they come out about the religious beliefs to parents. You know, they're saying like, oh, you know, look at me. I believe in something different than you. Your Christianity failed. I feel like there's that 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 venomous quality to it. There's a spiteful aspect to it that we might not necessarily see. You know, the reason I told my father is because my father was going to find out when, you know, he's like, so what do you do for work? And I was like, I don't know, like you know, video work. Like he was going to find out one way or another. I knew he would. <laughs> but like, take my grandma, for instance. My grandma is 87 years old. She was born in 19, like what, 20, 27, something like that. Like, like 90 something, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, she's like, yeah, she's like 87, so 87 years ago. I'm not good with math. Yeah. It's like 30s. She was born in the Great Depression. She went through World War II, the Korean War, the 80s. She went through Vietnam. Like, this woman has seen enough life. The last thing she needs to hear is that her precious grandson is ooga boogooing with his friends in the woods speaking blood and stone language. She doesn't need to hear that. And so I feel like if I, like, went up to my family in front of with like grandmother there and was like guys i have something to say i'm a norse pagan like what's that what does that really do i think it only it would only serve to make myself feel better and that is obviously personally my situation but you know i i, I see it a lot i wouldn't like I, you know i would never say anyone is wrong without offering a you know solution to the problem so here's a solution to this problem i see at my friend's Thanksgiving, who, you know, he knows of my beliefs, but his friends and family that were there that I don't really know don't really know my religious beliefs. And therefore, I also didn't feel like it's my purpose at that Thanksgiving to make sure they knew about it. You know, if they came up to me randomly and asked me about my religion, I would tell them, I suppose, but no one's ever going to ask that at a Thanksgiving where they don't know you. But you know what I did do is they said grace, as many families still do um, for Thanksgiving, and I came up with a plate of food. And I said, hey, everyone, in my family, we have a tradition where we leave out a plate of food for the people who couldn't be here, whether that's because they couldn't travel here or because they're no longer with us. And I really want to share this tradition with all of you. And they all looked at me. Keep in mind, these people are redneck, redneck, looking at me with their Mountain Dews and McDonald's bellies. And they said, I love that. I want to do that next year, too. And to me, that is how we share the faith. That is how we share parts of who we are with others. It's not imposing. We're not trying to convert them or convince them that we're correct. We're sharing with them. And so I don't know your home situation. I don't know your situation in life. And I, I, I can't give you a one-stop solution. But I really do think instead of this idea of coming out to your family, 
think about sharing something with your family that they could value from as well. Honestly, yeah, like that's actually a really, that's like a really damn good advice, you know, instead of, yeah, like pushing it or, or trying to make a bigger deal out of it. Just, yeah, like do subtle things, like just do, you know, do the smaller, like, gestures that you know or, or or things that we've done in the past you know whether it's at gatherings or whatever or stuff that you do in your own personal practice and just slowly implement your own things and either a people will just be like oh that's just something that you do or it they, you know they they might pick up on it as well and not really realize what they're doing but like they don't necessarily need to you know it's always about intention the way that i've uh, that i've done it and it's there's not I've, there's not a single person in my family or in general, that I just go straight up to and say, I'm this, uh, except for whenever I got my job at the brewery, I just told them that I was because I needed the time off so I could try to do the um, uh, the gatherings, put them together and help out help out at those. And they were very understanding and really cool with it. Um, but the thing I've just done is just the way that, uh, that the path, that the pagan path will take you, whether it's Norse, Celtic, whatever, I feel like regardless of what it is, it's going to make you a better person. And, you know, you can show that through your actions in how you've grown and matured and everything else from where you were before to where you are now. And that could even be a way of subtly showing and saying, and, you know, and like more or less telling people that, you know, you're different, but you don't have to outright say it. But, you know, there's other ways that you can do it. Um, and just things like that. Um, like I said earlier, I don't have a I don't have a problem with telling anybody what I am, but I'm not going I'm not going to unless they ask. Right, you're not broadcasting it from the rooftops, like yeah. Because no I don't want to hear that. the like I already have to hear the guy across the street yell about how his dog's better than everyone else's dog for some reason, and he wants to blast his nips out because he never wears a shirt even though it's cold. I don't know what's going on with that. Like I don't want to be like that guy with my religion. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I appreciate my privacy, and I want other people to I, I respect other people's privacy as well. So I don't tend to give things to them like if you just start a conversation actually let me let me hold step take a step back here let me give you a great example so last week i met with uh one of my old painting instructors from college um just because i was like you know what him and i always got along he's got a big lumberjack beard always wears flannel you know and he paints cows that's what he does uh, but i was always really inspired by him because you know he was very down to earth you know for our art professor extremely down to earth which is surprising. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Let's see if he's actually interested in my life where it is now. And so I met with him. Uh, we got a beer and we just walked through what I've been doing the last couple of years. And he was com- incredibly fa- fascinated by it. You know, he was interested. He wanted to know the story. And, you know, I was happy to share my story as well, but I didn't force it on him. Um, later, one of his art professor buddies shows up to get a beer as well. And he's like, you know, he told me about it, obviously. And he sat down. I had met him once or twice. And he said, hey, Jacob, so what do you do? And so I looked over at Brandon. It's like, hey, man, what do you think about me just hitting him with it? And he's like, oh, I think you should just hit him with it. So I deadpan, looked this guy in the eyes. And I was like, well, a couple of years ago, I started this YouTube channel about how I worship old gods from the north. And I made a call out about a year ago and a bunch of people got together and we worship the old gods here in Kentucky. And now I run one of the largest and best heathen communities in the country. And the guy looked at me and he was like, you're joking with me, right? And I was like, no, man, I'm actually not joking with you. (laughs) Um, So in that case, it's fine. But I couldn't imagine going up to every single person on the street that I meet in my life and telling them that. Like, again, that would feel selfish of me. 
and I, I feel honestly, I feel very similarly about, you know, like, uh, I don't talk a lot about the, um, the path that I'm on with Odin as far as like the, um, like the beast of Odin and all that stuff. I keep that pretty close to my chest unless I'm asked about it or I feel it's good to share it. And I kind of, I see it the same way. There's, you know, doesn't need, I don't need to be broadcasting that because then I'm just bragging about it or trying to right. show off. And I, I think that is a really good line is, you know, are you bragging about it or is there a reason you're sharing it? And then there's Ian, who's just got like a hell altar in the corner of his grandma's house now. Hey, I mean, you know, it is what it is for where I'm at at the moment. <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah. thing, like the majority of my family knows, you know, like actually as far as I'm worried, like all my family knows. And it's it's one of those things that I, I, I see very differently than most people because, uh, you know, for the most part, my family really doesn't care. They're just like, cool, you're doing your own thing. The only person that I would say in my family that really like fears for my soul would be my dad's mom. She is a, a very, you know, heavily God-fearing uh, Christian woman, always has been, you know, but she knows that one, I am far too old for her to persuade or convince otherwise, um, you know, and it's just, I just do it a different way. And, you know, I don't really talk about it. She doesn't really ask about it, you know, every now and then it gets brought up. And, you know, it's just, she'll throw a little shade my way or something like that. And I'll crack a joke right back at her. And then we go about, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, for me, it's, at least with my family, it's very, I would say it's a lot different comparatively to, I would say the majority of, of people. So then in that, you know, that situation, I just, I really have no reason to really bring it up because most of my family already knows, unless they're very particular about asking about something or they're curious about it or whatever. Um, so you know, and that's kind of, that's kind of translated over into my normal life where I just, I really don't even think about talking about it or talk about it at all, unless there's a specific, you know, question or, or something, you know, that comes up where I, you know, I happen to like say something without really even thinking about it. But yeah, for the most part, like I just have no reason to either. So I want to pull it back to traditions a little bit here because, um, because that's the name of the podcast episode. So we probably need to talk about that more. But I do think this is an uh, an important part of the subject because I already brought it up, you know, sharing traditions with people rather than your strict religious, religious beliefs or your, or I guess your specific religious beliefs is what I should say. Um, because I look at not only traditions of, you know, the prehistoric, like the prehistory past, like, you know, the, the Iron Age, the Bronze Age, Viking Age stuff, you know, Yule, um, the things people think about or mead drinking or poetry, you know, I mean, I think the world needs more poetry personally, but I also look at the personal family traditions that we have. And that's something that I've really grown to appreciate in the community that we're all a part of is learning all these small family traditions that people now get to pass on because that's the one of the most beautiful parts about paganism to me is that we really honor tradition. We really honor family values. And so when people share their family values with us, you know, we're going to make sure that's something that that is lived on. And, you know, like a small thing for me is like the pizza wraps I've made at gatherings multiple times. That was my grandfather's recipe from like the 60s. And now like they people may never know my grandfather's name, but they will probably eat his pizza wraps in the future. And it's a, such a small thing. But to me, that that's how we live on through the histories. I was actually just talking about um, I've mentioned earlier the uh, the tradition that my family has of basically Thanksgiving is like um what's it called a family reunion 
where everybody comes in from wherever they're at, except for the ones that are like way down south. I think we got a couple people in like Alabama or something like that that don't come in. But other than that, it's pretty much everybody. Um, and me and me and my oldest female cousin, who's the same age as my mom, we were both talking about how after um, my nana and her sisters die, because our family's a little bit weird. We have like a matriarch uh, sort of thing. Always have. It's always been that the oldest sister of my uh, of my great grandmother is like the head of the family. Um, I don't. I've not not met another family that's really like that. I'm sure there's some out there, but uh, me and her were talking whenever I told her about um, me being a pagan because she where she asked how me and her want to keep the, that tradition going because we don't think anybody else will. I know my mom's too busy to uh, really want to do it. And I think she wants to move away. So we want to keep that going as far as like getting everybody together and getting a, a place large enough to, and then organizing everything. I mean, it's almost like you've done that for gatherings too. So it's like perfect <laughs> translation <laughs> over to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can use my work. All right. I, I know I've just spent the last, I know I've just spent the last like 15 minutes telling, you know, saying like basically don't convert and stuff like that, but it's time to convert your family, Caleb. You know, they're basically pagan already. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> really, I've really gotten down to it. I mean, like literally, there's only a couple people in my family that still do like grace. Um, like even at my nana's house, we don't do grace. <laughs> we just eat because we're, you know, we, we're, we're from the You're south. Hungry. We like food. We hungry. <laughs> We didn't wait it for it. We don't eat breakfast when it's Thanksgiving. We ate it. We waited like 12 hours for this food to be ready. We're going to eat. Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, a, lot, I'm a, a lot of my tradition is, is basically like pagan without it being pagan. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. You're good. No, I'm, I'm excited to kind of like thinking about the aspect of starting, you know, my own like traditions whenever I end up having a family of my own and stuff like that. I think it's going to be something that's going to be um, you know, kind of fun to figure out and just kind of see how it goes naturally, not to necessarily force anything, but just to kind of see like the things that kind of come together from, you know, my own like family stuff or what I think is, you know, a personal thing or whatnot compared to like whoever my significant other is at that moment. And then just kind of branch off, you know, and go from there and then just kind of see, you know, 10 years down the line and see where it's, what it's grown into and, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> God's damn. That was a that was a hell of a bark. I actually found like Finrear. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. Finrear howls before the doors to hell. No, nope, that was Pip, as usual. Oh, oh that was Pip? Well, is yeah. he like Garm then? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, so, um, speaking of hell, real quick, just go, I don't want to derail anything. If I don't say it, I'm going to forget it. Um, uh, Ian, or uh, shit, Amber wants to know about hell, and you're the best person I know to ask Ian. Okay. Shoot, yeah, send me, send me messages. Okay. <laughs> ah, let's see, where were we traveling in my mind? So the creation, yeah, yeah. 
So another thing that I, I've always thought is important and is part of, I guess, my thesis for the wisdom of Odin and kind of my religious path is our modern saga, like honoring the past while also moving and evolving forward because we have to, you know, we're not reenacting. And I think, you know, a lot of people throw out or throw around the term like, oh, you're just a LARP or a reenactor. Like, actually, no, I'm I'm kind of the opposite of that because I, I'm not just living the past because it's, it's impossible and I don't think it's healthy. Now, learning from the past is healthy. And so I choose to look at the past and see like the have them all not every word in the have them all is exactly how you should live your life but is there good wisdom in there that you can learn from hell yes and so that's how i see something like that i don't live my life according to have them all i learn from it and so starting new traditions and new words of wisdom to me is just as important and recording we, we've talked about this on the show before the recording our modern saga um something is is very important to me but the starting of new traditions um like within our community as well like the uh, the woo table the table where we store store all of our spiritual objects with any hope 20 years from now 40 years from now when we're all dead and gone they're still doing that and allowing an environment to make sure new event, uh, new traditions can start is something that has always been very important to me. And that starts, that that's on a community level, that's on a personal level, and on a family level as well. Can you just like imagine a woo table, like kind of just going into that, but just that idea alone, that potentially some of the things that we have either collected or brought and have set, you know, on a woo table, you know, last year, this past year, could potentially be passed on too as almost like you know mm -hmm. just items of your ancestors kind of a thing like oh you know great grandfather jacob blah 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 or whatever <laughs> you know had this meat or you know this this idol you know whatever it may be you know so yeah like things like that i i'm, I'm always very excited and curious to see how things like that will like evolve and then to think about you know the idea of like things that we have collected or brought in time could potentially be passed down um you know as almost like heirlooms or you know whatever term you want to use that could potentially still be doing the same thing you know long after we're gone now stop me if i've already told the story on the podcast i can't remember i have have i told mentioned me and my grandfather building a table i can't remember i think yes. you mentioned it last week oh, last week well yeah uh, I will only touch on that again, that it has been become so important for him and I to build that table because of that, you know, and not not just that, but like the idea that maybe one day I have to be that grandfather to my grandchild and build something so that they can remember me in the future as well. And I, there's such a there's such a beauty in that. And to me, you know, a lot of us are seeking happiness, fulfillment in life. And, you know, it doesn't have to be children, but I have always seen that fulfillment comes from a legacy or whatever you leave behind. And that's one of the things I've always connected with in the have them all is, you know, cattle die, men die, you yourself will also die. But the one thing that never dies is one who wins a good reputation. And I have yet to be proven wrong that that is one of the most important lines in all of the poetic edda. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, that's something that, you know, I have thought of, uh, you know, it's come to mind relatively often, surprisingly. Um, it's just kind of that thought of, of what, you know, I feel like it, it more so in the last couple of years, I feel like more so than any, anything else of just, you know, what will I leave behind? Not like an egotistical way of looking at it, but like, you know, what will I leave behind when I'm gone to either A, be remembered by, or, you know, to pass on whether it's knowledge, a skill, et cetera, you know, whatever it may be. So not necessarily be forgotten and like, 
you know, the annals of time and X, X, Y, and Z and all that, you know. Caleb, you're going to leave behind a lot of tattoos. Oh, yeah. I'm going to leave behind a lot of that. That'll be on a lot of people for the rest of their lives. <laughs> and I'm hoping that I will, for the people at home, I'm holding up the, uh, the bone that I use as a handle for my hand pokes. And I know that this is going to get passed in. I don't know to, to which child, but to one of them, it will. <laughs> and hopefully ever, they'll continue that. Have you ever thought, like, I mean, you're probably at some point going to tattoo your children. I hadn't thought about that yet, actually. Is that weird? Is that a weird thought? I, I honestly, I like. I really like the idea. They'll yeah. probably be like, they'll probably be the kids that when they feel like they're ready for it, I'm gonna make sure that they're that they're actually ready for it. But they'll probably be like younger than eighteen. Sue me. Like, how <laughs> how, how dope is that though? Like knowing that you know a part of you, not only just for your children, will live on. You know, you know, a part of them. Um, and then if they, one of them does pick up the, pick up the needle, so to speak, you know, there's a chance that they, you know, tattoo one of their children moving forward. Like that, that's what gets me excited is, is thoughts yeah. like that. That's really cool. You're going to probably yeah, was... tattoo my children. That's weird guys. <laughs> right. I was just thinking the same thing. I was like, how many of our children is he potentially going to tattoo when like we're old and gray and then it's just going to be, you know, good old tattoo Caleb's, you know, just with a line of like the next generation. And I was like, I'm gathering. Fuck your TikToks. I want a hand poke tattoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so, dude, I hope that it's something that I can keep go, going and doing for a long time because, like, I do have a machine now because um, the the, guy, the people who went to the original gathering, Jacob and Mary and Logan and all them, they got together and bought me a machine. Oh, yeah, that's last year. Felt, yeah, I just haven't felt ready to jump into it yet because I'm still. I don't know. There's just something special about doing it with this old technology. And man, I really want to see you start getting into like really some like heavy shaman stuff, like some Kai Ua Faust stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just like <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna get to it. I'm yeah. uh, I'm working my way there. Um I just haven't I just haven't felt ready just yet. Probably ne next year I think I'm gonna start dabbling into like getting into like an like an actual shamanic uh, shamanic trance and going in and doing tattoos. Maybe don't wear the shamanic visor where you can't see. <laughs> no, that would probably not be a good idea. I'll probably just like paint my face. Like I'll just like darken the eyes and stuff like that. You know. Oh man, um, seriously, that's the stuff that gets me excited. Like you know, knowing that ten years from now with some Holland and we can have a little hut for you, like Caleb's tattoo hut, where people go and you know you you gurgle at them and, and tattoo them. <laughs> With the, with your what dip bottle. Saving, what a saving gurgling <laughs> tattoo. Oh, hopefully, hopefully I won't be doing that um that long. Not not the tattooing, but the um I'm Dipping. using these nicotine pouches. As well, it's just the thing of like I've had so much stress and everything this year with like the everything I was talking about before we started the podcast. Um, I just wanted to. I I, I traded. Um, I took a nicotine addiction. Uh, instead of putting on all the putting back on all the weight that I've lost just because like food you know like I told you Jacob before and I think I've said on here before like food was like my comfort for years and I didn't realize it. so I just noticed myself like going back and like eating food and everything like that after I broke my arm and I was like no stop that bad Caleb. <laughs> yeah bad Caleb you're moving bad <laughs> <laughs> there's a Caleb that lives inside of all of us that makes us want to eat <laughs> Oh man. But the thing I was going to try to say before was that I hope that I, um, even when I'm old and gray and, you know, 
say I'm 80 years old or something like that, I hope that I still have a steady enough hand that I can do tattoos. Um, because that's something I honestly, that would, that would kill me a little bit knowing that like, if I got Parkinson's or something and I just oh, yeah. shift like this, I was, yeah, I don't, yeah, that, that would hurt me. If you I, shook I, enough I though, it. it would be like a tattoo gun. <laughs> if I could just get it to go forward and back <laughs> instead of side to side. You get one oh, of those, like uh, one of those spoons that like help people that shake around to like feed themselves, but put a needle on the end. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Um, but Talking, you know, we brought we brought up the stuff of uh, you know passing down things to children. What are some things that you all want to pass down or believe that you will pass down to your children once you have them, like traditions? I know I want to like drop my kids off at Ian so he can like take them into the wilderness, survival of the fittest style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty much. No, honestly, like like kind of just on that subject, like that's the one thing that I I would definitely want to kind of pass down, like. I've, you know, I've obviously just recently moved back to Minnesota, so I'm trying to, you know, get back in the zone and the way of like living up in this area and, you know, picking up those like the survival aspect of it and the skills, you know, that I was kind of passed down to me and that I've learned and whatnot. And that's definitely something is, you know, that that ability to uh, be able to survive in a not so friendly environment, you know, environmentally, like, it, you know, you never know what could happen or, you know, you could be just doing it for fun. You know, like, obviously there's a lot of like YouTubers and stuff that do a lot of bushcraft or survival stuff for fun, but you know, they obviously have picked up these skills and then they go out and they practice them. And yeah, that's definitely something like I could see myself passing down as, as a tradition, you know, like I was taught a lot of things growing up of like, what to avoid, this is how you do this X, Y, and Z, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, but yeah, it's, I feel like that's a little bit more of a, a hardcore tradition, you know, maybe like not necessarily turn it into like a full on like Spartan thing, right? And throw you out in the woods and you come back a week Do later it. kind of thing. But, you know, something along those lines of, of, of taking, you know, whether it's my own children or like Jacob said, like some Ian's survival like camp kind of thing <laughs> where it's, you know, go out and, and teach them, you know. Welcome to Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just I'm here for I bring them off to a spot and then disappear and when they turn around. <laughs> <laughs> like you just walk behind a tree and then you're just gone. Yep. <laughs> I'll uh, see you yeah. in a fortnight. <laughs> like that's that's the kind of stuff that I would love to pass on. It's just the, the ability to rely on yourself, you know, in a in an environment. It's like not only does that do something for you, you know physically that can you know that can be very beneficial but also mentally because it, it's a good way to you know almost like a, a confidence thing you know if you can learn these skills and be confident enough to be you know thrown into the wilderness or you know whether it's intentionally or by accident that you could you know basically survive long enough to get out you know so that's not definitely something more of like i would like to kind of pass on personally for me um I, I feel I had a good childhood. My parents did a good job. You know, they disciplined me when they needed to discipline me and they gave me enough, you know, enough of a leash to go out and do what I needed to do and, you know, make some mistakes. Um, and, you know, only slightly scolded me when I made those mistakes and got caught. But one thing that I, I wish my family did a better job of was hiking or exploring nature or understanding nature more. Like as a kid, I would stomp around my hometown and, you know, climbing creeks and stuff like that, but nothing to the point where we would go out on the hikes. You know, I didn't see the beauty of the natural world really until I was an adult. 
Um, it wasn't until my 20s that I really picked up hiking as a, as a hobby and now partially as, you know, as a health thing and, you know, in, in other aspects and partially of a religion. And so it's just like, you know, the forcing religion on th in my children. I don't want to teach my children necessarily like, you have to be Norse pagan because I think a lot of us understand what that does to people. But what I would want them to do is have an appreciation for nature. So even if they decide to go their own religious paths, they will still have that that appreciation for nature. Um, you know, I, I hope they become pagan, but ultimately that's going to be their choice. But, um, you know, I, I really just wish I had that head start of, of the, the beauty of nature so that I could have more time now because now, you know, life's busy, but shoot, if I was into hiking when I was like 18, oh my gosh, I would have done so much of it. <laughs> I the mind like both of y'all as far as like what I want to pass down, what I want to like get my children interested in to this point. Like I have a, I've got a three-year-old daughter and I've got another one that's due in, uh, in March. Um, but I still want to teach them about hunting and fishing and how to, you know, how to be able to care and like provide for yourself if you have to. Well, not, well, honestly, not just if you have to, but this is, it's a good thing to know and a good way to get you connected. It is in the act of taking a life, but I want to show my girls the correct way to do it, how to show honor and respect to the animal uh, and everything like that. And then how to use as much of it as we can. And I want to do the same thing with like fishing and then getting out in the nature, hiking and all that. These kids are going to grow up outside for sure. And I think that's a good thing too. Like I, I definitely want to kind of instill is, is definitely the, the go outside because. Go outside. Exactly. And, you know, like looking at the majority of the youth of today, <laughs> they're, I know, right? I sound old, <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> so I appeared turning gray again. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, you know, we look at, at the youth of today and they're so heavily like glued to phones and technology. Like obviously you have your, your TikToks and, you know, all this other garbage. And, you know, I feel like there's going to be a weird generational gap, I feel like, where there's going to be those of us, you know, who see, you know, kind of the atrocities or like just the, the disconnect that you have with things like, you know, social media platforms that you get way too into and you basically lose your life to it because, you know, you start combing through something and then it's, you know, the next thing that you may be interested in. And the next thing you know, four hours have gone by and you haven't, you know, moved your house from the couch and you've been looking at your phone. The only reason you know that you need to move and do something is because all of a sudden like your phone battery says it's low because you've been scrolling for so long. And I feel like for, you know, a lot of people and primarily I would say the, you know, the pagan community or, you know, pagan communities is kind of reinstating that, like, you know, the whole cause. I mean, obviously it's something very big that we've pushed for. Um, and I mean, obviously, Jacob, you push for the most, and it's, it's, it's just, it's just, yeah, exactly. Like, go outside, you know. And that's that was something that I did as a kid, you know, being out here. Like, I spent more time outside as a child than I did. The only, the only time that I was ever indoors for you know any great length of, of time was either during the winter or we know it was raining you know it's so bad that there literally wasn't any way there wasn't anything to do but stay in um you know but that was not that often so uh, it, it's just it's definitely something that i feel like a lot of us are going to bring back and something that i want to bring back and that's kind of ties in hand in hand with the like teaching you know future generations how to whether it's my own children or other people's children, you know, the 
the ability to be outside and survive and and just enjoy it too at the same time yeah i mean something that has been kind of going around in my brain lately as the as the world hasn't seemed to calm down any um is the internet is only as real as you make it because at first i was thinking maybe you know you the saying should be the internet isn't real but the internet does exist in the real world at times and i find that those times are only as much as we allow it you know it needs to be a um yeah, like there has to be limits on it. You know, I've said this in the past, the internet, social media, it's a tool and it's effective tool at times, but it's also like Ian said, it's something that can consume you if you're not careful. And even me, I'm a digital minimalist. I preach it all the time. I talk about turning off your phones. I talk about going outside. I talk about all of these things, but I get sucked back into it at times. And it's, it's because it's designed to do that. And that is one of the most terrifying aspects of social media is that it's designed to be addictive. And so if we don't put in those limits ourselves, um, and something I'm very critical of uh, in modern parenting, which I'm not a father yet, um, hope to be soon. But if we as parents don't decide, don't put in those limitations for our children, they will not have limitations. And maybe not necessarily putting, making them do it. Like if you have to make them, you know, make them only have one hour screen time a day, uh, make sure they don't have social medias, but teaching them the importance of that. Like, you know, just like a small thing you could do is just sit down and be like, okay, here's your phone. You know, you can use it as much as you want, but as every time you're on it, I'm going to record how much time you're spending on it. So that way at the end of the day or the end of the week, you show them you've been spending, you know, six hours a day on your phone. What could you be doing with that time instead? You know, and, and really revealing to them, because that's what I felt like I had to see is when I was spending five or six hours in a day on my phone. Um, you know, once you see that proof, it's it's undeniable that you spend too much time on it. Yeah, like one thing kind of, I guess, that I could see turning into addition. It was something that my parents said for my brother and I, um, you know, if, if we wanted to have any sort of time on, you know, video games, I think it was like PlayStation two or whatever, when that first came out, I want to say, you know, if we wanted to, if we wanted to do basically play video games or watch TV, you know, and not do anything else, basically our, my, our parents stipulation to that was okay. For however long, you read a book, it doesn't matter what it is about, as long as you're doing something, you know, you're doing something productive, then you can, you know, use that the same amount of time to go play video games or whatever, you know? And so, you know, my parents would be like, hey, if you want to spend the entire day playing video games on a Saturday, cool, spend an entire day reading. And they would regularly come in and check on us to make sure, you know, that we were actually reading and we weren't like screwing off or falling asleep, like fell asleep or anything like that. And, you know, that's something that I would definitely see myself bringing to the table to like, as a way to, uh, you know, limit to a degree, you know, or at least like have a healthy, like standard for time with like, whether it's technology or social media or whatever, or video games, whatever it is, but have something like that, where it's like, okay, you spend this amount of time learning something new, whether it's reading it through a book or like you spend this amount of time, like outside, like, cool, you can you know, and translate it over, you know, almost like a weird currency kind of thing. But um, here's your Bitcoin you know, it, kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, it helped. Like I, I read so many books as a kid because of that, you know, and 
you know, I'm very grateful that my parents actually did that because it, you know, it instilled something into me, kind of like what you said, like once you realize like how much time you put into one thing, you're like, holy crap, like I could have been doing something completely different or something more productive with my time. Well, so uh, my parents did something similar. Isn't it funny that, you know, one hour of reading felt so much longer than the one hour you actually got to play those video games? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> that one hour of video game time was gone instantly. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, like, my brother and I would do, like, these marathon runs where we would be like, okay, we're going to spend the entire day reading, you know, on, like, a Saturday. And then that following Sunday, we would be like, cool, we have the entire day to do whatever we want, like, play video games. And like that was what made it worth it, you know, it's it the whole day worth, not like read an hour and then play video games. Really hard. It's like, yeah, exactly. That time reading seems so much longer. Yeah, 100%. All right, Caleb, I have a scenario for you. Your child is seven years old. She walks up to you and she says, Daddy, I need a smartphone because all the other kids in school have a smartphone and they're seven and they have TikToks and they do viral TikToks and they Snapchat their boyfriends. Can I have a smartphone daddy? What do you do? Need one until she go, ends up being something extra extracurricular where she actually needs to be able to text me and tell me when she needs to be picked up or something like that. That's the way that I got a phone. I didn't get a phone until I was like, I think I was in seventh grade. Yeah, seventh grade because that's when I started resting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember my first smartphone. I don't think you could buy minutes anymore. Can you even buy minutes? Or is it all I, just like... I want to say that you still could whenever I got one. I didn't get a, I didn't have a smartphone until I was... Um, I want to say I was a sophomore in high school. So that would have been like 2013 was when I got my first one. Um, I still had one of those. It wasn't a flip phone, but it was one of them sliding. It's like it oh, slid yeah, out yeah. sideways, you know what I mean? Man, I love those um, phones. I still have that thing. And I gave it to like, I gave it to my kids because she always wants to like steal things and like play with them. So I gave her that so she could just play with it and hit all the buttons and she can't break it. So, you know. Oh, dude, those phones were indestructible, man. Like, mm -hmm. well, I unless still, you drop them in a toilet full of piss like I did. I said indestructible, not submarines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happened at a wrestling practice. And that's why I got this one. Because <laughs> um, the way I understand how it's happening right now is the reason it, it's peer pressure is all it is, is these seven year olds now are walking in with an iPhone 13. And then all the other kids are like, oh, I'm not cool because I don't have an iPhone 13. And it's and that's what's happening now. But the thing that's crazy to me is these iPhone, an iPhone 13. Yes, you can pay for them monthly. They're like eleven hundred dollars, nine hundred dollars. And, you know, I could never imagine my parents allowing me to have something that was $900 and then bring it with me to school. <laughs> yeah, one thing I really want to do with my kids, like, I know that they're, they're going to have, like, their tablets and whatever because that's already started and happened. And that's just how, kind of how that shit is nowadays. But, man, I, I really want to get my, kid, my kids interested in nature and everything like that. And, you know, get them to understand the fact that if they go out and connect with nature and get that relationship with it, um, that they're going to have such a better time and experience than their other children that they might be cool and have, you know, all these friends and have something that goes viral, you know, who really gives a shit. Um, but they're going to have something that's going to last their entire life instead of the 15 minutes of fame or whatever you want to call it for school popularity. That's definitely something that I want to instill is like I, to the, a deeper appreciation for things instead of that, that, you know, instant dopamine hit in the last, you know, 
five seconds, which is, you know, essentially how things like social media and stuff work, um, is to, to really take them out and appreciate, you know, the, the things in the, in, the, in the world and in life that are gonna mean something so much more to you for so much longer and then continue to pursue that to the point that, you know, you don't care that your friends have TikTok or your friends have, you know, an iPhone 13 and you don't. And yeah, exactly. Like just go outside. You know what I mean? Like it's, that's definitely something I want. I want to instill that into, you know, if I ever have children, like that's what I want to instill in their head is that there's such, there's so many more important things and things that are so much more meaningful that those are the things that you should pursue, pursue and presume to the point where the, the more common, you know, use things and the, the, you know, what everybody else is doing is not going to necessarily matter. And they're not even going to think too, you know, about it, you know, I would rather them leave their phones in the house and then disappear in the woods for a couple hours and come back. Yeah. I'm pretty pissed. Cause I didn't know where they're potentially at, but you know, it's like, they came back, whether it's because of skills that I taught them or, you know, they were just out there and then they found their way back and they forgot their phone because they're not attached to it. Like that's, I would rather that than, you know, have to force them to like get off their ass and get off their phone and like lock it in a safe like i've i've seen some crazy things that parents have had to do because their children are so dependent on things it's ridiculous yeah oh my gosh uh but one thing I, I was just thinking of is uh something my parents did with me obviously having chores and an allowance and things like that was, it was pretty big when i was a child um and i remember if i did all my chores i got like five dollars a week i was making slave wages back then um but what i think it was important is okay your child walks up they say hey i want an iphone 13. okay i will pay you five dollars a week if you take out the trash and do your own laundry and you can save up your own money and normally a young child would be like, yeah, that won't take any time at all. And they don't do the math of how much money that would take, uh, how, how many weeks that you would be 18 by the time you actually got a smartphone. Um, but what they might realize is, okay, I can't afford this iPhone 13, but what I can do is afford a $300 refurbished iPhone. And they might figure that out on, them, uh, on their own. And I would be proud of them if they figure that out. And, you know, it might be more realistic for them to achieve something like that. And... To me, you've one now taught them a lesson that you know sometimes the no newest and greatest thing isn't always the best option. Um, you've also taught them the value of hard work and what it is to have a paycheck and to earn money and to save for something. You've taught them savings as well. And then you've also taught them how to be proud of something you've worked for. Because if all you can afford is an iPhone, iPhone SE instead of an iPhone 13 and you earned it, you're going to feel a lot more appreciative of it um, when you actually do use it than these children who are just given an iPhone 13, which is obscene to me. Yeah, my that's definitely something that my parents instilled in me is is the value of of doing something and earning you know what you get from it. And yeah, my parents were in a similar way. They it was it was you do these certain chores like the, my the way that my parents did it. It was more of a like the regular like house things like taking out the trash laundry all that kind of stuff they taught me to do by myself because as an adult you should know how to do these things anyways like i know adults that can barely operate you know it seems like they can barely operate uh, a dishwasher or a a uh you know a laundry machine and, and stuff like that because they just weren't 
ever held accountable for their own things or their own actions. And then, you know, it just, they have just piles of dirty clothes and then, then they try to figure out to wash them, you know, like certain small things like that. My parents are very big on teaching me just because just to be self-reliant. And then as far as like getting paid to do anything, it was more of like a hard labor aspect of it, like painting the deck or sanding the deck, you know, uh, mowing the lawn, things like that. You know, it, it definitely made me appreciate that putting in the hard work for something to get something from it. Um, you know, I feel like it definitely has instilled the work ethic that I have today. Um, you know, a lot may, has made it a lot better. And then when I was in the military, you know, that was, it was even like that level up for that work ethic. You know, I've never really had an issue with being somebody that was willing to, you know, do what it takes to get the job done in, you know, in the right way and in, in a timely manner, you know, because I know in the end it would be worth it. Um, but, you know, I think that's something that a lot of, of children and a lot of, you know, like I said, the youth of today are severely lacking. They're severely lacking. I feel like every time I say that, my beard's just going to start getting longer and grayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the end so, of this podcast, you're going to look like a wizard. Right? <laughs> Shit. So I don't want to derail anything, but I just have to talk for a second about how proud I am of my three-year-old um, real quick. So she was at daycare the other day, and... There was this boy that was, um, was, you know, they're all about the same age in there. I think it's like the part that she's in is like three to five years. I can't remember if this kid is her age or bigger, but he was picking on this uh, this other girl and like pulling her hair and stuff like it. My daughter went up to him and told him to stop three times. And then she got pissed off because he didn't stop. And then he she went and she pushed this kid to the ground and he started bawling his eyes out. And I was, you know, she went there and she, she protected her friend, you know. She took care of a kid that couldn't stand up for herself. And I hell, I took the kid out for ice cream after because I was proud <laughs> of her. And I've always, I mean, myself, I've always been big on that because I got, you know, I didn't use, I was always like a fat kid in school. I was never, you know, big until I got to like middle school and high school. And that's when I beat back on people. Um, but I will, you know, I've, I've always liked seeing that in people which they, they would go and protect others. And I'm really proud that she has that. I'm glad that I was able to like, I don't know how I taught a three-year-old to do that, but I'm glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that's just one of those passive things where it wasn't something you had to sit her down and have that conversation. But being as a protector as yourself and always being protecting of the family, maybe that's just something she saw in you. And that's something that, you know, she was like, that's what, what would daddy do? Daddy would do this. And so that's what she did. And And being that good role model is is just i mean words can't even describe how much that means to a child to be a role model to them yeah my mom was like uh, she's saying she's gonna get in trouble when she goes to school i was like i don't get shit if she gets in trouble when she goes to school if she does that if she takes you know protects other people or protects herself because somebody's bullying her she's not going to be in trouble when she comes home i mean i know i had to get in fights right well i mean uh one of the, one of the things i you know my dad knew i got bullied and you know one day I talked to him about it when I was, you know, like seven and I was like, yeah, you know, some, someone's picking on me on the playground. And it wasn't like, he was like, I'm going to take care of this for you. He was like, hit him back. And that's all he ever told me, hit him back, you know? And it was like, in, in those few words, he both told me what to do, but also if I did it, he would be proud of me and not worry about the consequences because it was important at my age to learn how to hit back. And the thing that really scares me is because this this was a quick transition, because when I was in school and when I started standing up for myself, I really didn't get in trouble. You know, it was like 
because I think the teachers kind of knew it was going on. And so when I finally did hit back, it was like, you know, they would they would pull me off and they'd be like, OK, just dust yourselves off, go away. But the fighting would stop, you know, the bullying would stop. But the thing I noticed that transitioned even in my schooling is anytime there was a fight, even if you there was self-defense, even if you were standing up for yourself, uh, I noticed this in high school, is both parties would get expelled. And all of a sudden, the, you know, the, the punishments became incredibly severe and they no longer, you know, I wouldn't say schools ever encourage fighting, but they don't allow it at all. Like if you don't learn that conflict resolution skills, you know, especially, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, especially as a boy, as someone who's masculine, who has masculine energy, no matter, okay, you know, hopefully that satisfies everyone. But if, I mean, even as a girl, if you don't stand up for yourself, you don't learn that as a kid, you're going to be screwed as an adult because being an adult is nothing but conflicts. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I hear is that like both kids get suspended. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So it's like, I was, I, I talked to a friend of mine just the other, this last night and I kind of brought up the story of um, when I was a kid and I was kind of talking about like being back in this area and stuff like that. And a guy that I know who, uh, I growing up in an elementary school, we we were part of the separate friend groups, and our two friend groups always fight all the time, like straight up just physical like fights. And it was it was normal, like yeah, we got in trouble every now and then because we get caught, but like it was just a thing. And at one point, it was in fifth grade during the winter, and my group of friends was like those we were those deviants that we would like wreck people's snowmen and their snowboards. You know, we were degenerates. That's fine, I admit it. Uh, you know, but. Uh, this one particular situation, you know, he, he, we were just kind of messing with him. We had that reputation of being kind of assholes, basically. And we were just kind of messing with them, pretending that we were going to break this awesome snow fort that they were building for snowball fights, whatever. And another friend of mine had pushed me into it. And I, you know, I was like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't try to do that, whatever. And, uh, you know, this, this kid that's now like a really good friend of mine, uh, at the time, you know, when we weren't, he came up behind me and put his hand like aggressively like on my shoulder. And it was weird, like it was just like instinct took over. And as a fifth grader, like I instinctively just turned around and I clocked him right in the jaw and knocked him out just like that. And I, in my head, I was like, oh no, I am in so much trouble. Cause I saw him just go basically cold turkey and just like fell back into the snow. And I was gobble, like, gobble. that's it. <laughs> I was like, that's it. I'm done. Like I'm in so much trouble. You know, I and him. yeah, you know, and, it's like, and uh, you know, fast forward to you know, 10 years from then, you know, and it was I had been in the military for a couple of years, and I'd come home on leave, and we kind of had like a big like friend reunion kind of thing, and he was there, and you know, we were just kind of reminiscing about the old days, and now he, he like brought that story up, you know, like it's like a commonly like joked about thing, you know, and if I, you know, if I hadn't, you know, done that who knows if we could you know if we would have been friends then like it was almost like a weird like sense of respect that was like earned and like given that day you know and it's just it's now a thing that we joke about and he's just gonna be like oh i bet you couldn't do it again and i'm just like dude like give me drunk enough we can find out kind of a thing but i don't <laughs> think you're gonna enjoy it if i did it in fifth grade you know <laughs> right but it's yeah it's it's an interesting thing to like think about 
So we are uh, pretty far into this podcast, and I, I still want to talk about one more one more kind of subject. But before we move on to there, I am going to try to do something a little different for our audience here, um, mostly because things at the Wisdom of Odin have changed recently. Um, if you've paid attention to the YouTube channel, I'm going down to one video a week, and I want to make sure the listeners here are aware of that as well. So I have been posting in the past on Mondays and Fridays, but due to the amazing success of the, uh, the GoFundMe and therefore the nonprofit moving forward, Um, That is requiring a lot more work for me than I expected. Um, And it's incredibly stressful, incredibly stressful, which is why I am really glad that we hired a lawyer because there's no way I would have been able to do this um, just by myself filling everything out, um, especially with how how long it takes to do these things. Like we're still waiting for stuff to come back from like Frankfurt and things like that. So with that, the Wisdom of Odin is going down to one video a week. It'll be out on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. So make sure you're subscribed and like to the YouTube channel. And um, please make sure you're tuning in for those videos because I'm, I'm really scared. The algorithm is a scary thing. And I'm really worried that it's going to kind of take a hit to the wisdom of Odin as far as the viewership and the algorithm and all those things. And I'm going down to one video a week. So help relieve my fears by going and make, uh, liking and sharing that video when it comes out. I got a really cool one coming out this week. Uh, it's going to be on hospitality and Hugo. And it's uh, a lot, a lot of work went into this video. So I'm, I'm really making sure this one video a week is is a really big one and a really good one. Um, so please look for that video. Please check it out. And if you do want to support this channel when I do and support the podcast, therefore, as well, um, please think about going to Patreon and supporting me there as well. And don't worry, Folk Podcast isn't going anywhere. We're going to continue to post. It's like technically we post on Sunday nights, but like really it's like Monday mornings. I post it. I post the video Sunday, uh, the, the podcast Sunday night um, just for the people that work really early on Mondays because I know there's quite a few of you. I mean, shoot. Usually within the first like five hours of posting the video or the the podcast, there's only like 300 downloads. So there's 300 of you out there listening to this thing late at night or probably our European audience. So regardless, thank you all so much. Uh, The Wisdom of Odin has been around to the point where we have a pretty good history. Uh, We have over 60 episodes here at the Folk Podcast, over 200 videos on YouTube. So I'm really thankful, really thankful to be on this journey. Uh, Thankful for uh, Caleb. Thankful for Ian. Thank you both for being with me on this journey and thankful for all of you out there. But now back to the episode. So the thing I wanted to talk about on the last tail end of this episode um, is I feel like it's a very loaded term right now. It's the idea of like, I don't want to say it's tribalism. I don't want to say it's tribe because I, I feel like there's a lot of loaded things behind this. But I was watching this video from this, this Swedish guy. He has a homestead in northern sweden uh in the pine forest and it's a really beautiful channel i can't remember the name off the top of my head uh he's not a pagan he's just a guy in sweden that decided to live like the ancestors did and something he said that was really prolific for me and was actually the reason i was inspired to suggest this video topic is um he built this cabin by himself and he's preparing for winter right now as we speak and in that video he said i could not do this without my tribe humans are meant to have a tribe and he means that by his family he means that by his friends Um, because he's like this friend he shows up he's helped me build my roof ask for nothing in return but he knows that if his friend needs something he's going to go help him out as well and that's something that as a community something that we're doing here in in north america with the pagan community we're forming that i've always been so proud of is how willing everyone is to help each other out and that is something that, you know, through this conversation of us talking, talking like old men this whole time, that's basically what we've been doing, guys. We've been complaining like old men. And through this conversation, I think the world is missing very quickly. And it's the idea of family 
and the tribe. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. And like you said, it it's, it can be turned into such a loaded loaded term, but you know, looking at it at the bare basics, like that that is essentially what you know how things were done. You know, it was hey, your neighbor is building a house. You know, it, like it's actually something that I have seen a lot since moving back here that is still in play. Like my grandfather knows so many different people. You know, because a lot of people just in this area were born here. They went to school here. They went to college here. If they didn't go to college here, they you know they they just stayed here, right? So you had you know you had built that like idea of, of a tribe or a community, you know, and they know so many people. My grandfather could, if I asked my grandfather like a one question of like, hey, who do you know that I could go for this thing? He'd be like, oh, old so and so over at this other town, blah, 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 that I've known for decades, blah, 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 you know, can help you with that. And, and that's the thing, like they, they don't really, just like just this morning. Uh, so my grandparents, they don't have um, like a normal uh, like trash pickup where they're at on the lake. Uh, they can, but they choose not to because of how expensive it is. They're kind of out in the, out, out of the way. Um, so what my grandfather does is he loads up all his gar all the garbage basically um they recite you know they split it up recycle it and all that and there's a drop-off area uh you know maybe 15 minutes away 20 minutes away and about once every couple of weeks he'll bring everything there and my grandparents don't really use a lot of stuff anyway so the two weeks is fine but you know it's it's a paid for like drop off thing, but because he knows the guy and he's helped the guy out with certain things, they always cut him like a deal. Usually it's anywhere from like twenty dollars plus to depending on what you're dropping off. But since I've helped him like go out there and whatnot, I've never seen the man charge him like full price. It's like little things like that, you know, and, and neighbors around the lake, like everybody here will help each other pull the docks in without asking for anything except for, hey, when I pull my dock in, if you guys are around, can you help? And it's, it's something that is still a very strongly practiced concept, at least here in the area of Minnesota that I'm at, I'm, I'm in. And honestly, even like in the neighboring cities in, in North Dakota, like where my cousin and my brother live, you know, a bunch of us that grew up together, you know, and, and went to elementary school and stuff together uh, are always helping each other out without asking for any sort of compensation except for, hey, when I'm doing something like, I would say the most recent example would be a friend of ours bought a house with him, him and his wife bought a house. They needed to put up a fence for their dog. My cousin and a bunch of our friends all went and helped put up this fence with no, you know, with not going there with the idea of being compensated. It was just, hey, we're going to come and help put up this fence with you. We're going to hang out, have some beers, have some food. And then, you know, without even needing to ask, they we all just knew that whenever the next person needed a fence built or something else like done with their house, they could call on that individual that they helped and without a second thought that they would come and help. So uh, yeah, the, that idea is, I, I, it makes me like almost proud in some way that where I'm currently living, that is still so heavily, heavily practiced where in a lot of other places, it's almost non-existent. One thing that I've always been glad about growing up in the part of Virginia that I did, and 
one thing I'm always glad to hear about anytime somebody's from a small town or a very tight-knit community is that they have that that tribal aspect because everything else is you know a good 40 minutes to an hour away most of the time I know like the largest if people want to go to Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever like up where I'm from they have to drive almost an hour and so everybody around there just helps out um and I've always been thankful for the fact that my that my family has been honestly the closely I can describe it as like a clan just the way that we always come together uh with helping each other um, one of the things that has always inspired me about learning for, uh, about Russian culture is the way their villages were set up. I mean, they literally used the, the village raised the children. There was no such thing as individual parenting. Like if you lived in a village and you had a child, it wasn't really your child. It was the village's child and they raised it together. And so that, that you know, created a really strong sense of community because, you know, you didn't just have a mom. You had, you know, the entire family that helped raise you, you had the moms, the dads, um, you know. And that's one of the things that I'm really proud of, again, of our community is I'm so excited for my children to not just know me as the father, you know, and, you know, my future wife is the mother. They'll have, you know, everyone in the community, they have you guys to, to teach them various different things. Um, and it makes me less scared to be a parent, honestly. I mean, right now in this building, I live in an apartment complex. In this building, there's probably 30, 40 people, and I don't know any of their names. That's scary. Imagine going back in time and telling our ancestors that, that one day people will live in a building where they don't know the names of their neighbor. They would be terrified. Yeah, exactly. That's like kind of touching back on like this area. You know, there, there are some families that have had cabins on this lake for generations. And, you know, my, so my great grandfather built the cabin originally. And then when he passed on, my grandfather had it remodeled and, and updated to be, you know, able to live in it four seasons and everything like that. And uh, I, I know for a fact that he knows every single person like that lives in one of these cabins on this lake. I know for a fact, if I just drove him around, I'd be like, point at each cabin as we drove by, I'd be like, hey, who lives there? Or like, what family's there? You know, like that's, yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like they, everybody, he essentially knows everybody that lives on this, on this lake. And then even in the, the town over where I, I work in, he knows so many people. I, I found out that um, when my grandfather was a biology professor at one of the, uh, the science school in North Dakota, um, one of the individuals that I work with now, her grandfather was also a professor there and that they knew each other, you know, and it was just, it just, amazing like how like almost small you know everyone's like oh it's such a small world but no it's more of a it's that idea of like a tribe or that community and knowing the people that you were around that were around you you know it's just such a natural thing yeah it is it is very very weird to to not know who your neighbors are like i've thought about it fairly recently you know like looking at places of my own and like a house and whatnot i was like huh i wonder you know in my head i'm thinking i wonder who like my neighbors will be or what they'll be like you know, and I'm just like, in my head, I'm thinking I would probably be a lot more, uh, you know, outspoken about meeting them than they probably would be. I mean, hell, when I lived in New Mexico, I, I didn't know who one of my neighbors was until the day that they were leaving. Like, if that was the first time I had spoken to them, I had seen them. I'd seen them come and go. I had seen them get their mail. I'd seen them in their backyard with the dogs, you know, but I had never, like, there was never, like, a, a push to interact outside of just a casual, like, a wave or a nod 
as you know we were both out and about at the same time up until like almost the point where they were moving like they were literally waiting for the the leasing office to come do the their final inspection and i had them be outside and i talked to them for maybe like an hour you know and it was a good conversation but that could have been many good conversations but they didn't necessarily make more you know i mean obviously i didn't really necessarily make more of an effort as well but it's just yeah it was weird it's just weird to think about we live so close to other people that we have no idea who they are or their names <laughs> so reflecting on my time in germany um you know i i went through the big city. I, I stayed in Munich majority of my time, but I went to a lot of the smaller villages and I find myself in, in the smaller villages is where I saw the most German culture in the way. Like, you know, I saw what could have been, you know, a thousand years ago, things that have been steeped because uh, Munich is a very modern city and it's, you know, changed like there, there's history there. You know, there's some really cool buildings some um, really cool architecture, but a lot of it wasn't built. It was built in the 1800s. Like, you know, most of the stuff I see here in the United States that's old was built in the 1800s. It wasn't until I went to the smaller towns that I saw stuff that was like old. Like, you know, oh, hey, this is a, you know, a Roman ruin, you know, and just in these small towns or an old castle that's been around. Like all the old castles were basically in these small towns. And you can still tell that there's just like old traditions there. And I think that's something that a lot of us were looking for when we came to this faith was tradition because when you know our ancestors came to the united states it was often not from a good place where they're coming from you know they they weren't loving their homeland they weren't loving germany they weren't loving norway the reason they left is because they weren't really loving it they were looking for new opportunities and a lot of families including my own as i've come to find out you know kind of cast aside the old traditions they cast aside uh, what used to be and I think that was great for them, but now generations later, we're missing something and we know it deep down in our souls. And I think that's why a lot of us are, are, are coming to paganism, coming to Norse paganism, because we're seeking those, those Northern traditions um, that, that really are a home to us. And, you know, the, the, I, I guess I could say again, like, I'm proud of our community. I, I'm proud to be pagan. I, I'm proud um, to, to look at traditions and share them with others without necessarily pushing the faith on others as well. Um, because I want to bring tradition back to the world because it, it's one of the things that make us human. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's basically sums it up. <laughs> I, think like, I feel like that's a good place to end. This has been a long podcast, but again, I feel like we had our 30-minute detour where we just got to be old geezers complaining about <laughs> the youth, today's youth. I honestly, I've never felt more connected. Uh, I was with my my family's uh, Thanksgiving and my parents had like their friends over who were like, you know, in their 50s and 60s as well. And I've never felt more connected to people in their 50s and 60s because all we did was complain about the youth. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, like my uh, beard getting longer now. Right. <laughs> well, that, maybe that's why I felt like my beard looked longer today is because I've been complaining about the youth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, interesting, I'll, I'll leave us on this interesting anecdote. Uh, so uh, one of my parents' friends was a, was a cop at one point. And he was kind of sharing how the world's changed. And he works with children now. Like he, he's like a security guard at a school voluntarily. And I thought this was really cool. And he was kind of talking about how nowadays this children have changed and maybe it's because he's old and crotchety, but you know, he's like back in the eighties and nineties, they didn't have all these negative outside influences, you know, constantly attacking their brain. And he's like, nowadays they're so disrespectful. They have no care for anything besides themselves. And you know, there's to me, you know, what that translated as is we're letting the internet 
teach our children, letting them teach, you know, uh, like give t traditions to our children. Traditions now are TikTok. Traditions now are viral videos. Um, traditions now are, you know, Snapchat. You know, these are what's without tradition. This is what's replacing them, which is why I think it's so important to bring tradition back because something will fill that hole. We're all missing something. Um, and sadly, you know, there is something out there that is willing to, to fill that place of tradition and it's not a good thing. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good one to end it on. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this relatively long episode of the Folk Podcast. I feel like it was a good conversation. Um, and it went all over the place, but I think that's why you listen to this podcast, because it's funny, it's deep, it's weird, and you never know where it's going to go. But if you want to keep us on track and be on the Folk Podcast, please think about sending us an email. We do review them things, so send us an email at thefolkpodcast at gmail.com so that we may possibly have you on an episode in the future just let us know your name and what you would like to talk about otherwise thank you all very much and until the hall go outside skull oh. <laughs> <laughs>